about finances in church and about spending money, you know, but it's so relevant, you know, so very, very good. And this morning I actually want to speak about uh, what is the church, you know, so that's very much part of the church is the way we speak about things and the way we deal with things, but actually um, it's actually quite scary to think uh, we know what the church should be like. When we look at the Bible and we look at our experience, we're like, oh, we need to grow in the way we see church. And uh, I want to ask a question, who of you have been part of church, not necessarily this church, but in your life? Who of you have been part of church for longer than a month? Just raise your hands. All right. Longer than a year? Keep your hands up. Longer than five years? Longer than 10 years? Wow, that's amazing. 15? All right, 25 years. <laughs> <laughs> Milan, but you're 25. <laughs> okay, that's why it's 25. More than 30 years. Incredible, eh? like a handful of you. It's incredible to, to realize that um, you know, we've been, many of you have been part of church for years. And the challenge for, for those who have been part of church for years is that sometimes you need to unlearn quite a lot. <laughs> those of you who have been part of church for a month, there's still a lot to learn. You get what I'm saying? So all of us are learning. And all of us should learn what church should be like. Because who of you know that church is not perfect? All right? Church is not perfect. That means that we still need to either unlearn something or learn something to really be perfect. And uh, this morning I want to speak a little bit more about, and I want to dig into it on what is the church? What is the church like? Who is the church? Is it, a, is it a building that I go to? Uh, are you, Futa uh, are you the church? Are you the church at home online? What, what is the church? And I mean, nowadays in culture, you know, there's a lot of people saying a lot of things about what the church should be like. But I want to submit to you this morning that we need to look at what God wants for the church. We need to look at the Bible and, God, what do you see the church should be like? And that's the way we should look at a church. All right? So, what is the church? Thank you for asking. Very good question. And uh, the Bible speaks about a lot of different pictures. The Bible gives a lot of pictures of what the church is. It's a building, it's a bride, it's a family. It's a lot of different pictures that the Bible speaks about. And I'm not necessarily going to go into much detail this morning, but I want to look at this word ecclesia. Ecclesia. It's a Greek word. That's where the word church comes from, the word ecclesia. And I mean, for many of us, we, when someone says uh, the Greek word, like, I, I usually just switch off. Uh, when someone like Paul says ah, the Greek word, I'm like, okay, you need to explain what you mean because <laughs> we're not speaking Greek anymore. All right, but it comes from, and I think it's important to know where it comes from because it gives us a glimpse of God's heart for whatever the situation might be like. So when it comes to church, it comes from Ecclesia, and it means this, the gathering of the called out ones. So the church is the gathering of the called out ones. Isn't that a beautiful picture that we get? And we kind of get this picture of believers, like this morning, believers coming together, not just you alone somewhere 
The, the believers coming together, those who God has, has called out of darkness, those who God has placed into life, and they are gathering to reflect who God is. The, you, you get this picture where I'm going with this? So it's not just you and your, your, your screen. It's not just the building, but it is the building. It's not just you in a coffee shop with one friend. No, no, no. It's a gathering of the believers. That's, you, you get this picture of the church? So this, the church is a beautiful thing. It's a, well, let me, let me rephrase it. The church is supposed to be a beautiful thing. Many of us you know, have different church backgrounds, and like I said, the church is not perfect. We are not perfect as a church. You think we're perfect? We're probably going to disappoint you at some stage, all right? But, man, we need to desire to be perfect as a church. We need to look at what God wants, and we need to go for it so that we can be perfect as a church. And this is the reason why, because God, God's way is through the church. Did you know that? God's way to reveal himself to this world is through the church. And maybe some of you are like already twitching a little bit. It's like, whoa, whoa, do you realize how bad the church is, are you? Do you know what church I come from? You know, how can this be? How can this be God's answer for this world? And then sometimes we, we, we grab to things of this world. We grab to politics to fix this world. We grab to what this and that and this business and that. And no, 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 God's way to fix this world is Jesus through the church. All right. And I want to read a scripture. There's a lot of scriptures that we're going to go through this morning. So just uh, fasten your seatbelts a little bit. But in Ephesians 3 verse 10, his, in, his intent, Jesus' intent was that now through the, what's that word? Through the, through the church, the manifold wisdom of God should be made known to rulers and the authorities in the heavenly realm. See, you get this picture of it's through the church that God wants to come and reveal himself. To this world. So you, by, on your own, you can do a pretty decent job, I'm sure. But together, we can do a much better job to re reflect God. All right? This is the vehicle that God has chosen. This is His way. This is His idea, is through the church to reveal Himself and to bring the kingdom to this world. So the church is supposed to reflect God. Do we get that right? Sometimes. And hopefully more, more, than, more, more often than not. And if we get it wrong, Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, we're sorry. Let's adjust. What's your way? And, we, and now we're going to get it right. Right? Because we want to reflect Him. Actually, when, when unbelievers come into our meeting, they should just look at us and say, God is real. Because the Bible says, by the love that you have for one another, will show the world that we are His disciples. All right? And it's, it's an important thing. So this church is supposed to reflect God. This church is supposed to be beautiful, pure, spotless, without blemish. When you look at the church, man, God should go like, yes, that is what I long for. That is my heart. Ephesians 5, 27, I'm going to just rush through this. Uh, is it on the board? And to present her to himself as a radiant church, Without stain. So you get this picture, man, I want to present the church without stain or wrinkle or any blemish. 
but holy and blameless. So you're already seeing the calling of the church is to be holy and blameless. Ephesians 1.4 For He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. The church, we, should be holy and blameless in His sight. Colossians 1.22 But now He reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in His sight. Without blemish and free from accusation, he's speaking to the church. And 2 Corinthians 11, verse 2, I am jealous for you with a godly jealousy. I promise you to one husband, to Christ, so that I might present you as a pure virgin to him. And he's speaking about husbands and wives, but it gives you the picture of the church being presented to Christ as a pure, holy, blameless bride. You get it. So do you you realize that the church is much more than just the place you're going to? It's much more than just, where can I sign my name and and I'm part of this club? It's much more than than that. It's actually, no, 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 this church coming together, we're dealing with sin, we're dealing with our brokenness, we're shaping one another, we're offending one another so that we can love one another better, so that as a church, we can reflect Him. That's why we, we sometimes have friction in church. We have this idea, no, you know, everyone is just in harmony and you know, no one, I don't want to step on your toes. No, no, no. The Bible says as iron sharpens iron, so we form one another and we become more holy. So guess what? If you're joining this church, someone's going to offend you. <laughs> it will probably be me. <laughs> but the church, man, the church is what Jesus is coming back for. You see it. Paul is writing in in Scripture. Jesus is saying, man, I'm coming back for this bride. I don't want to arrive and it's like, this bride doesn't even have a dress on. It's like broken leg and it's like a blue eye. And it's like, no, man, this is not the church that Jesus wants to come back for. There's something about the bride. You guys getting married soon, eh? Yes, exciting. There's something about the bride preparing herself for that day. That day, man, you're going for makeup, man. You're going for your hair, and you're going for, you know, I can't remember. What do you guys do on wedding day? Like, we just buy a suit, and there we go, you know? Wipe the hair this way, and good to go. <laughs> but you get this picture of, of a wedding day where the, where the bride, man, and she invests in herself. The parents invest into her to prepare her for the husband. And as a church, we are being prepared. We prepare one another. We're being prepared by, by the, the, the leaders in the church. We're being prepared by Jesus as well. For that day when Jesus is coming back. That wedding day, man. And we're going to be presented to Christ. And it's going to, man, it's like beautiful. Beautiful. All right. So you get this picture of the church being prepared for that day when Jesus is coming back. He's coming back for his church. Can I, I'm probably going to say some outrageous things this morning, but the church is for the believers. The church is for the believers. All right? Did you know that? Did you know that not everyone is going to heaven? And I need to say these things. Because sometimes in our Afrikaans culture or in this Bloemfontein culture, it's not Afrikaans, it's, a, it's in this Bloemfontein culture, it's a very religious culture. We think, no man, everyone is most going to heaven. 
Just because they're family, no, no, you're going, they're going to heaven. They're, they're nice people. They're friendly people, man. They have good hearts. They've got good hearts. They're going to heaven. But then there's someone at work and they offend you, and then you sometimes think, no, I don't think that guy is going to heaven. No, let's, uh, don't, don't stick up your hand if that happened to you. But for some reason, we've got this idea that everyone is going to heaven. And it's not the truth. It's a mindset that, that really corrupts the church. Because why do I need to give myself? Because everyone's going to heaven. And you, you hear all these things when, in the funeral. We, we've had a couple of funerals in the last year during COVID. And it was a difficult time. And, 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 and I mean, people grasp for hope. People grasp for hope, and you know that this person is not a Christian. This person is not a believer, and, and, and people say, no, 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 they're in a better place. I mean, I, I get what you're saying. We want to grab, grab on to hope. We want to understand. But if you're not a believer and you die, you're actually not in a better place. All right? And that should give us an urgency, man. The gospel, the message of Jesus should be shared to everyone. Because this is God's way. It's the message of Jesus. Right? I, I, I hope I'm not, uh, I, my heart is really not to offend anyone. It's a very personal thing that we shared now. It's not like, and I want to back this up in John 3. You know the scripture, you know, John 3, 16? Huh? Who of you have it on your fridge? <laughs> <laughs> no one. God, everyone's just scared to share, right? <laughs> a, couple of, a couple of scriptures after that in, in verse 36. Whoever believes in the Son, which is Jesus, has eternal life. So if you believe in Jesus, you have eternal life. But whoever rejects Jesus will not see life, for God's wrath remains on him. All right? It pretty much sounds like you're not going to heaven if you reject Jesus. All right? And hell is a real place. Hell is a real place. And I mean, I want to be on the right side of this line, to be honest with you. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't want to reject Jesus. And maybe you're here this morning and you have rejected Jesus in your life. And this morning I want to give an opportunity for each person to accept Jesus rather than rejecting Him. So that, man, the church is what we want to be part of. And it's for, for believers. So the church, to get back to my point, is for for believers, it's, it's supposed to be this pure, spotless, beautiful bride for Christ. So we can't, we can't compromise in church. We cannot compromise with sin in church. We cannot tolerate sin. If the Bible calls it sin, we can't say, no, 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 but guys, we need an adjustive culture. The times have changed. No. The Word of God does not change. It does not change. The Bible calls it sin. What we call it sin. All right? And we cannot tolerate it. We cannot compromise it. We cannot say, no, man, we're all sinners. Just come in. And yes, that's partially true. The church is not for the, the you know, the, everyone should be holy before you enter the door. That's not what we're saying. The, the people, people say the church is, is like a hospital. All right? And um, I mean... I know we're not perfect, but surely when you go to hospital, the idea or the plan is to come out healthy. Imagine a hospital full of sick people and they just stay sick. Imagine that. Imagine 
a hospital full of sick people and, and everyone is just, no, that's no, fine, man. We accept your sickness. <laughs> I mean, yes, but we need to deal with your sickness. So the church is open for everyone. The church is open for the worst of sinners, but we do not tolerate sin. At some stage, we need to deal with it. If you go to a hospital and you're sick, the doctor is going to come and visit you. Hey, what's wrong? Do an evaluation. Okay, you need this medicine so that you can go on living healthy. And in the church, we come in broken. We come in with limps, man. We are really, we're sick. We're broken. Desperate for life. Man, I'm on the, on the verge of becoming dead, actually. All right, well, let's give you the answer, which is Jesus. And now we, 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 we train you, we grow you up so that you can be healthy. So that when other sick people come in, you can, you can actually know what's wrong. Man, I've got the cure. Here it is for you. It's not just the doctor that can actually cure you now. Everyone can help you. And in the church, it's not just the pastor that's like, no, no, only him can pray for me. No. Once you start becoming healthy in church, you're starting to become active in church. It's not just the specialist. So yes, the church is, for, is the hospital for sick. But if we stay sick, we are doing something wrong. The aim is, yes, come in with your brokenness. We accept you. But we're going to train you up. We're going to help you so that you can become healthy to go out there and reach the world for Jesus. So this church, man, the church is what Jesus longs to be in. And who of you have grown in church? Like just spiritually, you have grown in church. The church is supposed to be a place where you grow up. Listen to the scripture. Listen to the scripture. Hebrews 5, 12. I don't know if you've got it. Did I skip a couple of the... You got it? In fact... Through by, sorry, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need, but now you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Just keep that up. And Paul, is it Paul? No, we don't know. It's Hebrews. <laughs> anyway, the author <laughs> of, this, of this letter, he says that, man, by now you should have grown up. You should have been a teacher by now, helping to teach others the basic truths of faith. But now, you're still drinking milk. But you need to grow up eating solid foods. And in church, when you come in, as, you know, spiritually in a sense, not, I want to say a baby as if, like, man, I'm looking down upon people. No, no, but you get, like, young in the faith. You kind of get this idea of when you're young in the faith, you need to drink milk, right? You can't just... You know, clap a steak. You just need the basic truths to, to come in so that you can grow up. But at some stage, you're going to grow up so that you can eat the lack of steak. You get what I'm saying? I'm not trying to make you hungry this morning. Making, trying to make you hungry for God, eh? <laughs> but at some stage, we need to grow up. We can't stay the way you are. We can't stay the way you are. We're supposed to grow up spiritually. Right? Supposed to eat solid foods. So part of the church, if, you, if you're in this church or in a different church, the part of the church that you belong to is to grow up. You can't stay the way you are. 
You can't go to the hospital and stay sick. You get what I'm saying? We need to become healthy. We cannot, because if we, if we I want to say this before, moving on. If you join a church and you stay the way you are, we're tolerating sin. We're tolerating things that God is not tolerating. We need to grow. And I know we make mistakes. None of us are perfect. The Bible says if you say you're perfect, you're actually a liar. We're not perfect. But man, we realize we need to grow. We realize we are in need of Jesus and one another so that we can grow. So if you feel a bit stuck this morning, you feel like you're not growing, man, this morning we need to make a decision. Lord, come and evaluate me. Why am I not growing? Why am I not growing? Because I want to grow. So that, what is a church? You, you get a bit, you know, some sort of an idea this morning. What is a church? It's not just a building you go to. It's not just a thing that you visit once every couple of months, type, type of thing. It is, it's God's way. And He's coming back for His, his church. He's coming back for a bride. And um, yeah, let's move on. So who is the church? I've said it's for believers. I want to uh, uh, dig a little bit deeper into it. Who is the church? Can I say that you, you don't get born a Christian? All right? You don't get born a Christian. You don't get born into church. Did you know that? Did you know that you are born a sinner? It doesn't take much for a baby to, to, you know, to sin. <laughs> I mean from, from Aaron's. <laughs> you don't have to teach a child to, to steal something. You'll probably just start to do it at some age. And you need to teach him not to, actually. So we're born sinners. I'm sorry to burst your bubble. We're born, we're born sinners. We entered this world as a sinner. And just because your parents took you to church, that actually doesn't mean that much. And I say it with a lot of respect. It really means that your parents taught you some good Christian values, actually. But did you know that you can, be a, you can have good Christian values, but still be an unbeliever? All right. I know, I know a lot of very nice people that's not Christians. And some of them are outspoken atheists, but they are very nice people. I mean, man, when I look at you, you've got better values than some of the Christians. <laughs> and I mean, what's the difference here? I grew up in a, in a traditional church um, in Bloemfontein, and um, for about 15 years, I was part of this church it's a church that you went to as well, just because he's my brother. <laughs> uh, we, we, grew, we grew up in this church, and I grew up in that church, going to church probably most Sundays. No, let's say most Sundays. Probably nine out of ten Sundays we went to church. So you get this picture that we were quite committed to church, right? Man, we did Sunday school. We did all these type of things that, that we, we, we did. And we grew up with Christian values. I knew it's wrong to do this. I knew it's wrong to do that. I knew I need to do this more. I knew I had to do this less. I knew the values. And after 15 years of doing that, I encountered Jesus and then I gave my life to Him. Growing up in church doesn't mean you know Jesus. It just means you know solid values. But at some stage in your life, you need to make a decision whether you want to surrender your life to Him or not. And that is 
the message, man. That, oh, I don't even know where I'm at in my notes, <laughs> trying to figure it out. So just because you're attending this church doesn't mean you're off the hook. Uh, honestly. Like, uh, I've known people that uh, went to, you know, what we will, would call, um, what do you call a, us, a church that, um, I don't always want to say charismatic church because that term is corrupted nowadays. But, um, yeah, anyway, the church. I've known someone that, man, they, they were leaders in the church. Andrew shared the other day of, of someone going for it for two years, and they were looking at them like, man, these guys are, like, will be excellent community leaders. We need to consider them. And then one Sunday they responded, and they're like, Andrew, Andrew thought, no, man, he, he probably just you know, made a com- deeper commitment. And then Andrew's like, what, what happened? No, no, I, I gave my life to him. I'm like, but you, you were doing the same things all of us were, were doing for like two years, man. We were looking at you to become leaders. Oh, I know, but it's like the, the values are just so solid and the love that you have for one another is so solid. But today I made a decision to follow him. Scary, eh? And maybe this morning one of you should make a decision to follow him. Just because it's, you're attending this doesn't mean you have a real living relationship with him. And Jesus doesn't want to make us a better person, eh? Did you know that? He wants to make us a new person. Did you know that? Sometimes we go to church and it's like, no, I just want to become better. Just want to do this less, this more, and then I'm going to become better. Man, I'm, I'm just going to give my, I'm just going to pray a bit more. I'm just going to read a little bit more Bible. It's not how it works. There's no works in salvation. It's by the grace of God. And He comes and He gives you a new heart as you give Him your heart of stone, the Bible speaks about. And He gives you a heart of flesh. And then, yes, then we need to pray more. Yes, then we need to read more, attend more. But firstly, it comes by surrendering and God gives you a new heart. All right? John 3, man, I love this chapter, eh? John 3 and so you get this picture of what I just read about, man, if you, if you reject Jesus, the wrath of God is still on you. And then a little bit before that, you get the, the famous scripture of John three sixteen, which I'm going to read just now. But in, in the beginning of that chapter, 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 <laughs> tongue twister, you read about this guy called Nicodemus. Who of you know who Nico is? Huh? Nico. Nicodemus was a Pharisee which probably, he probably knew the word better than all of us together. He actually he taught Israel the truths of what the scripture is. So, I mean, if you look at Nicodemus, you probably would have sat here in the front row. Not that it, you know, you're less when you sit at the back, but it was like, I'm sure he must have been like a really nice guy. I'm sure he probably had good values. He didn't do this, he didn't do that, he did that a lot. So, you get this picture of, man, these guy, this guy. Probably have seen it all, you have heard it all, he knows it all. And then he encounters Jesus, and I want to read this in, in, from verse 3. So Nicodemus, um, you know, he meets Jesus, and Jesus said to him, I tell you the truth, no one can see the kingdom of God unless he is born again. 
Right, so that's already like a bit of a confusing thing. How do, you, how do you become born again? And that's exactly the thought that Nicodemus had. How do you become born again? I'm an old man. How do I, what do you mean, Jesus? He asked, he asked Jesus that, and, and, and he said, Surely he cannot enter a second time into his mother's womb to be born. I mean, that's obvious, right? And then he goes on, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless he is born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. Did I say that right? So you get this picture of you need to be born again to enter the kingdom of God. And this picture of being born of water is like the natural way of being born in the flesh of you in your mother's womb and the water breaks and you get born. So that's, that's what he means. But that's, that's not good enough actually to enter the kingdom of God. Just because your parents are Christians and you get born in water, he, he, he gives us that. You, can't, you still can't enter the kingdom of God. You need to be born again, but born in the Spirit. And God is spirit. And as we surrender our lives, our hearts to Him, He comes and makes our spirit new. And that's how you become born again. So when you hear someone say, you need to become born again, that's what it means. Not just, you know, I need to go and, you know, in a fetus position and, and wake up the next morning and I'm born again. <laughs> it's a spiritual born again. So guess what? All of us have step one right. You are born of water. Well done. Great. Halfway there. Not it. <laughs> but for some of us, we haven't been born again in the Spirit. And this morning, it's an opportunity for us to make sure that we are born again. Evaluate yourself this morning. Before we rush into lunch and whatever is going to happen next. Evaluate yourself. Just where you're at. Am I born again? Am I born again? Have I actually surrendered my life? Have I asked Jesus to come into my life and make my heart new? Can I be honest with you? I thought I was for 15 years because I, I, I listened to people that it was. But there was a stage where I need to go like, man, I need to become born again. Just because people around me is born again doesn't mean I'm born again. Am I born again? Evaluate yourself. So who forms part of the church? I'm not drifting off my notes, but I'm building a foundation here. Who is the church? Who forms part of the church? How did it start? And I want to read a scripture to you in Acts, the book of Acts, where the early church start, started. The first church that we are still walking in, actually, started right there. Like, what's it, 2,000 years ago, something like that. It started there. And if I say we need to go on, on what God's word is to build a church, you know, we need to look at where did it start. Does it make sense? Where did it start it? And we need to build that way. If we build something else, very good chance it's man-made. Very good chance it's a good idea. But is it God's way? So let's look at what's God's way. In Acts 2, 
Um, Peter, just to give you a, a backdrop of the scripture, Peter preaches to thousands of people. I still don't really understand what he, what he shared to that, to that people in Acts 2 in the beginning. But he was sharing Jesus to them in their way, if that makes sense. And he shared this message to them, and they were cut to the heart. I don't, I don't know if I'm jumping the gun here, but yeah, there we go. Verse 37. So they listened to Peter preach to them, and they were like, okay, now I'm going to read what happened. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, brothers, what shall we do? Just keep that up. That's what happened to me. Someone was sharing and not, not just, I actually didn't give my life to God through a preach. I gave my life to God because the people around me loved me God's way. And I was like, man, I need this. And can I say I was cut to the heart? You, you would know when you cut to the heart. You would know. You must, that, that attitude of, oh my goodness, I'm cut to the heart. What shall I do? I've got this message. I've got this picture. How do I respond with this? And for years, it was one year in, other year out. I attended church camps. and I read the Bible. I prayed. I gave my money. All that. One year in, other way out. But that one day, there was a cutting to the heart where I was just like, oh my goodness. Jesus, I see you. You're real. Not just the religion. You're not just the way I grew up culturally. Man, you're after my heart. And I kind of get this idea that's how they responded. Of, oh, cut to the heart. What shall I do? And Peter was probably like, cha-ching! Let me tell you! In a very evangelistic voice, I'm sure. <laughs> and he tells them in verse 38, and Peter said to them, Repent! And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. Verse 40, with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them. So they were like, no, man, you're still not getting it. I plead with you. Give your life to him. Repent of your sin. Save yourself from this corrupt generation. And those who accepted this message were baptized, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. I'm sure there must have been a couple of administration gifts in that church. <laughs> Just a little bit. And I want you to, to go back to, to that scripture in verse 38, where Peter replies to them and says, Listen, this is, the way, this is the way you respond. You repent of your sin, you get baptized. Some of you have made a decision for God, but you need to get baptized. As a believer, like immersed in the water and come out being a new man, new woman. Some of you need to make that decision today. And as you do that, we, we believe that, the, the, that God gives you the Holy Spirit in you. And sometimes as you walk as a Christian, man, the things that you've, you, you did in the past, suddenly you feel bad about it. I remember listening to, to weird songs before I gave my life to God, watching weird movies before I gave my life to God. And when I got saved and I listened to those songs again, I'm like, what? 
What did I listen to? And I listened to those lyrics, watched, watched movies. Where I'm like, what? How did I do this? I had, I had a bad mouth before I gave my life to God. Like every sentence was a swear word. There was a swear word somewhere in there. And when I gave my life to God, I just, man, I, I can't do this anymore. It really is not pleasing to God. Suddenly I get convicted. I'm like, I know that I'm not putting a smile on God's face in the way I live. That is the Holy Spirit in you, convicting you of, of, of sin. That's the Holy Spirit in you, convicting you of things that's not pleasing to the Father. That's how, that's how the Holy Spirit works. He's our helper, man. He helps you to live holy. He's in you. You need to listen to His voice. And sometimes we get a prompting of the Holy Spirit wants me to do something or say something. Don't ignore those things. Eh? Don't ignore it. If you make a mistake, it's fine. We, we learn, we, we move on, we grow. But if we ignore the Holy Spirit, you'll drift from God. Listen to His voice. But Peter said, repent and be baptized. Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And can I say this? The interesting thing is, when they repented, when they got baptized, when they received the Holy Spirit, they got added to the church. So before you repented, before you got baptized, before you had the Holy Spirit, you are actually not properly added to the church. You are missing out. <laughs> that, that's, the, that's my understanding and how I see it. It's like, man, if you want to be properly part of church, you need to repent, get baptized, and have the Holy Spirit in you. If you disagree with me, please come and show me what the Bible says. But this is the way I see it. This is the way I see it. So this is how we become part of church, actually. And I'm not speaking about Josh Jane. I'm not speaking, this is not our manual. I speak of, I'm speaking about the global church. The church that God, Jesus, is coming back for one day. If you want to be part of that church, you need to be born again. That's why I say the church is for believers. Man, I want to be added to this. No one is exempt from this. Can I just say that as well? No one is exempt from this. Just because I'm preaching, I'm not exempt from this. I heard about a, a guy that, that leads a, a church in Cape Town. He led that church for years. And then after like, I can't remember how many years. And then he said, how much? 37 years. And then he said, and then I got saved. <laughs> Growing up in church is great, and it's a healthy way in growing up. And as parents, we dedicate our children, and we commit to one another that, Father God, I, I, I commit to raise my kid in your way. But I realize that my kid needs to make his own decision to follow you or not. I can't make the decision based on my faith. That's why we get baptized once you believed, after you have given your life to God. Right. No one is exempt. We all need his salvation. What is his salvation? What is his salvation? And I'm drawing to a close soon, but I wonder what is the message of Jesus? Can I say that, like I said, we're all born sinners, right? And we need his salvation. And in Romans 3, verse 23, it says that for all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. All right. All of us have sinned. When you walked into that door this morning, you, you know that I'm part of that at all. 
everyone here has sinned. Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin. So you agree that, I don't know why this thing is, sorry, technical. Someone's pulling my ear here. So all of you agree with me that we have sinned, right? But so why, what's the wages of that sin? It is death. Death. And I'm not speaking physical death here. I'm speaking eternal death. That's the wages of sin. But, the, but isn't that a beautiful... Huh? But the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Now, eternal life is not in attending church. Our gift, our, our eternal life is not in you working harder and becoming better. Our eternal life is based on Christ Jesus, our Lord. That is the message. So can, I, can, can I say that we're kind of born into trouble, right? Because <laughs> sin separates us from God. John 3, 16 Listen to this. Isn't this beautiful? For God so loved the world, me and you, when you get born, God loved us that He gave His one and only Son, Jesus, that whoever believes in Him shall not perish but have eternal life. Isn't that good news? For good news to be good, you need to know what's the bad news. And I've, I think I've, I've, I've done that this morning already. There's a lot of bad news. But there's good news on offer this morning for each one of us, everyone, everyone who believes in Him, receive Jesus, will find eternal life. Jesus willingly gave Himself. And after three days, He got resurrected by the power of God and He's sitting with the Father. He's alive. So it's not just once of someone that gave His life on a cross and we kind of serve a God that's dead. No. Our God is alive. He got rose again so that we can be in a relationship with Him. No, no one can have a relationship with a far-off religious, religion, religious activity from the past unless He's alive. And now Jesus is alive because the Father rose, rose Him from the dead by His power. So it's not just a theory. Is a relationship based on what He has paid. And what do we do with this? What do we do with this? Can I, can I say that I think the devil wants to confuse us? <laughs> like, what, what do you mean, Oya? I think he, he makes simple things overly complicated so that we don't respond to it. And it's actually quite simple. Romans 10 verse 9, this is how you get saved. This is what you do with this message. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, so like you confess with your mouth, so there's something of, I say out loud, Jesus is Lord. Do you get what I'm saying? It's not just, I believe it in my heart. It's saying Jesus is Lord. And it's not a once-off saying, it's actually the way you live your life says Jesus is Lord. And when people speak to you, you say Jesus is Lord. You can't hide this message anymore. So you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and here's the beautiful believe in your heart part. 
Believe in your hearts that God raised him from the dead, and then you will be saved. Doesn't sound too complicated to me, right? But somehow the enemy sneaks in and he, and he blinds us. He, he really distracts us. I was like, no, I can never be saved. Do you know what bad person I am, are you? You know what I've done. Surely not. Surely I can't be saved. That's the devil deceiving you. Yes, you have done bad things, but yes, the Lord can save you. No one this morning is unsavable. No one this morning is unsavable. No matter what you've done. But if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. Believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead. You will be saved. So just attending won't do it. Getting saved? Yes. By surrendering your life. And then proper salvation is you attend. You walk it out with the family because God puts the lonely into family. All right? And this morning, I want to really pray for us. So I, can we all stand? And I want to end with...